Welcome to Growing Up Latina. I am your host, Ali V. I am shocked right now because I just started this episode crying. It's very uh, weird, but surreal uh, for me. I don't even know why I'm crying. I know why I'm crying. Um, today's guest is a friend of mine. Um, and it's interesting how we met and how this friendship, you know, took off. But I have the pleasure of introducing you guys to my friend, Nicole. She is the CEO and founder of Nikki Mar. Hi. You are here. <laughs> you got me here. Oh my God, you're here. <laughs> Finally. Is this weird for you to like sit? Super awkward. I always tell you I'm the friend that like makes you do like the most the uncomfortable time. things. Like I All literally uh, take you out of your comfort zone. I'm like, Nikki, let's do this. Nikki, let's All do that. Time. You know, I'm most comfortable when we're having our chats and I'm in my yeah. bed. And yeah, I don't have like, to do all of this. <laughs> I know. Um, Easier. So we talk all the time. And every time we yeah. talk, I'm always like, we should do a podcast. I know. You're part of like my daily routine. It's like, yeah. feed the baby, make some food, check on the salon, do this, do that. Wait, Allie, let me check in. Yeah. So you and I met um, a few years back through a mutual friend. Right. Um, and at the time you were looking for someone to kind of like expand the business, right? right? Um, you currently have Nikki Mar Salon, which is located in New Jersey. What part of New Jersey? West New York. West New York? Yes. West New York. Um, and you have this amazing hair care brand, Nikki Mar. I do. Which recently, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's get right into it. You are Featured on Elle magazine. Yeah, so I was featured on the editor's top 25 hair for, hair care products for curly hair. Wow. So we were number seven. You were number Ooh. seven. Mm -hmm. And you, I remember you called so me. So unexpected. You, I was like, what the hell is this? Did you do this? You're like so <laughs> nonchalant and you're like, I don't know how I got here. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, you know what's crazy? Like when you're when you're running the race, you don't realize it until you get to the end and it's like oh i did that how i felt like i was more excited for you like i was absolutely like, oh my God, you absolutely we got a post were and you're like i don't i'm still trying to figure I'm out like i don't know what to do with this <laughs> yeah you're like i don't know what to do with this that's such an accomplishment by yeah. the way like that I mean, you helped me get there like you helped me kind of map it out oh you know i didn't God. know what i was doing when i first met you it was like all right i got this hair product that you know it came up during COVID. I didn't have anything to do. So you're a pandemic business. Pandemic business, pandemic mom, like all like, of that. Which all the odds are against you, right? Because even being a pandemic mom, so that's a whole different that's experience, a whole right? Thing. Yeah, girl. And then she was at the end. So luckily I was still able to do stuff. But um, so Nikki Marr, well, I'll get you started at the name. Yeah. So the so name... Good came up it was my mom and I yeah. we I was 15 and I wanted to do a t-shirt line mm. so we were laying in bed and I was coming up with different names I've always loved my name so um I was playing with different spellings and at the time I was really interested in powerful letters so this is like a thing so people can google like powerful letters 
So K is a very strong letter. Mm. M is a very strong letter and A is too. So I was playing with Nikki, different spellings. So N-I-C-K-Y, N-I-K-K-I. So I did stuck on N-I-K-K-I. And then Marie is my middle name. Me too. Yeah. So I think all Latinas' yeah, middle name is Marie. Marie. Some, <laughs> some everywhere. Everybody's yeah. a Marie somewhere. Yeah. Right. So then um, I just played with the spelling and um, I really liked the way the two A's kind of stood together. So it was more about aesthetics. Mm. And then it kind of stuck with me. It became like, you know, during the video girl era, mm-hmm. everybody had like their moment trying to be in a video. Yeah. Another growing up Latina thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it was like Nicki Mar, like, and that just stuck with it. Yeah. So fast forward, um, my husband and I always wanted to start a hair salon. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I was in beauty school, pandemic hits, so I had to literally like um, turn in my lease, turn in my commercial space. I thought it was a failure. So at the time, we didn't know where things were really going. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a scary time for everyone, and. Um, I lost a lot of money, a lot of loans that were taken out, and you know we had to kind of figure it out. And um, I was like, you know what? In the middle of me cutting out my extensions, mm. I'm like trying to figure out what am I gonna do. And then I noticed my hair was like really damaged. So then I started getting into like you know um, healthy hair solutions, um, natural things that were like people were making at home. And then I came across. Chebe. Yes. That was my first product. Yes. That was the hair paste. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did some research. I found a manufacturer. And then I started selling that. And that went really, really well, surprisingly. And it actually helped my hair grow a lot. Because mm-hmm. I started from scratch again, cut my hair out, started doing my natural curls. And um, I sent the product off to my aunt, who um, she was a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And um Hair started growing back, amazing. Mm. I think we got something here, babe. Mm-hmm. And um, then we started expanding to different products, hair maintenance, hair styling. How and many products do you have right now? Um, 11. 11? 11 products okay. in total. We even have a men's line, a beard line. Yes, you do. So mm-hmm. that one, that one's doing all right, you know. But what it's would okay. make you do that? Did you feel like there was a void uh, in that space that We've you wanted to fill? We've had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. You're slick. Okay. <laughs> so the reason I've always felt like I've, I've, my husband is my partner in life. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like it was important to kind of include him yes. as well. Like, yes, I am a woman. Yes, I stand on my own. But I'm also a wife. And I'm also a daughter. So, you know, part of being a wife is making sure that, you know, my better half is also appreciated and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my way to just like include him and do something to represent that side of me because he is a very important part of my life. There's so much to unpack here. Mm, Girl. Mm -hmm. So let's start with, there's so much. Because, you know, we speak all the time. I know. And even (laughs) even though I have some of the answers, like, one of the things that I love about our relationship is no conversation is alike. Unless when you give me advice and you're like, you're not listening, Allie. No, at that point, I'm just like, I'm not talking about this anymore. Yeah, you're like, you're not listening. But um, I want to talk about, first, where are your parents from? Um, so my mother is from Santiago, Dominican Republic. Okay. My father is from La Capitan, okay. Dominican Republic. That's so you're formerly known as Santo Dominico. Dominico. Yes. 
Yeah. Full Dominican, Full both Dominican. Parents. Yeah. And what I've always found fascinating, and I, I tell you all the time, is you're growing up Latina is different, right? Yeah. You give the other side of growing up Latina. And what I mean by the other side, because everybody's experience is different. Mm -hmm. So my experience is coming from divorced parents, kind of right. like this broken household. Um, and, you know, I speak about it often on the show, how it shows up in my life as an adult with finding partners to be with. Um, you actually grew up with both of your parents. I did. And they're still together. They are. <laughs> they're still together. And I, we have so many conversations and I'm like, your parents are still together. Like, I don't know why that's such a shocker for me because the people that I've surrounded myself with, we all come from divorced parents. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you're my, a daddy's girl too. I'm such a daddy's girl. You're such a daddy's girl. Horrible. I was on the phone with him before I got here. Yeah. Um, so I didn't understand that until I became an adult, like, the sacrifices that my parents made to stay together. What were some of those sacrifices? Um, I think just being young and they were immigrants. And occupation-wise, like what were they doing? What was your dad doing? What was so your mom interesting. Doing? My dad was basically getting by on odd jobs. He was a taxi driver. Um, back then, there were like the long Lincoln Town cars. Mm -hmm. So he was one of those. He was like the gypsy cab from uptown. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was yeah. one of those. Um, my mom had a secretarial job on Park Avenue, and then later on she got a better position. She worked um, for this company called Pacific Footwear, mm. and um, she always worked in fashion, but on, like, the, I guess, accounts managing side, on receivables and stuff like that. Um, my dad later on then got a job as a handyman in a building, mm. but he's had... Crazy. Uh, he was a florist once. He worked in a factory. So he was a hustler. He was. He, he was, was a hustler. Do you feel like mm -hmm. you get your hustler mentality from him? Yes, I do. And then what do you get from your mom, you feel like? Um, from my mother, I get the structure, mm. the poise. My mother's a very poised woman. The knowing when. Very important. You know, um, knowing when things are appropriate. What's the right time? Um, my mom is a, she's a complicated individual, but she's a very smart woman. And a, a lot of things, um, that I learned from her were survival skills. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I look back and maybe not the best to apply to today's age, mm -hmm. but definitely important. Mm -hmm. Knowing when and where things are appropriate was very important and vital growing up in New York City, growing up being a Latina woman, mm -hmm. um, because we have that fire, right? Like, mm -hmm. We want to say whatever we want, when, and then being a daddy's girl, add that onto the mix. No, we're not spicy, no. Oh, never. No, <laughs> no. nunca. Claro que no. <laughs> so uh, a lot of different elements I take from my parents, but I'm going to be very honest with you. It wasn't until I was 30 mm. that I appreciated my parents. I, I apologized to my mom. Did you? After I, yeah, um, after uh, my daughter was born. Really? When, you had yeah, that I moment was, with I her? was in the shower. I had had my C-section. I was in excruciating pain. And when I was a teenager, I remember I told my mom, you don't really love me. My friend's mom loves me more than you. And that hurt my mom till this day. Yeah. And I remember saying sorry to her because I was like, 
no one knows a mother's pain until you actually like are there. And I was, I remember I was crying in the shower. I was like, mom, I'm so sorry for everything I've ever done to you. Yeah. And and it was that moment. Mm. That was pretty rough. (laughs) No, I feel like I've had that moment too with my mom because I remember I was like such a rebel and I was like this girl that I always felt like misunderstood in the household. Um, And then she kicked me out eventually and that's when I like I was like I'm never gonna speak to you ever again and she was like yeah okay you know like she's like yeah fine yeah um and then you know I would say like a couple years back um maybe not even a couple years because actually when I moved out I didn't know how to do anything my mom did everything for me me too like (laughs) like, she cooked she cleaned she washed my clothes like she washed my clothes you know same here and then when I moved out, um, I didn't know how to do anything, right? I didn't know how to cook. You know, cleaning, I've, you know, that was kind of like a, a comfort thing. Whenever I felt out of control, I would clean to maintain control. Um, washing clothes, I like bleached all my clothes because I had no idea how to wash clothes. So it was very <laughs> rough. And then I'm like, I love you. I miss you. Like, I'm so sorry. Because you never, you don't understand the position that they play, the role that they play in your life until you play that role. Yeah, and um, I think we don't realize how much our parents try to protect us. I mean, for the most part, at least in my experience. Yeah. Um, looking back, I can hear my dad's voice in my head all the time. Nikki, don't do this. Nikki, do this. Nikki. And now I'm like, he didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he was right. He was a little right. He was, he was right. a little right. Yeah. Um. What do you think they were trying to protect you from at that time? Was it friends? Was it boyfriends? All of was it. it. All of it. Life experience. I think my parents, um, I've always, so at some point in my life, I became very rebellious. Mm. And um, I don't remember exactly when that point was. It was like those teenage years, those hormones hit. And I became like very angry. And I don't know how that, I've always kind of felt that, that I didn't get that kind of like affection from my mom maybe. So you were angry a, at them? I don't know. Were you just I, angry at I think I was in- just like angry at them. Like, you don't understand me. You guys don't let me do anything. Right. You know, like that kind of teenage rebellious. Right, right. Um, And then I was, I was always very like, I want to say persistent and now it's become like a good thing yeah i was gonna say like yeah. that actually is- if i want something i'm gonna do it yeah like you i don't, don't care no yeah. i won't stop Mm-mm. i won't stop so uh, as a teenager that's not good <laughs> yeah so now as an adult it's a great characteristics because i'm able to apply it into positive things right because now i have the knowledge and the experience and i've and i've you know stumbled a few times so now with the maturity that I have, I'm able to understand when to push and pull on that mm-hmm. a little bit more. One thing I I love about you, and I say this to you all the time, you're very calm. <laughs> like you're so calm. Like I can give you worst case scenarios in my life that will actually happen. And you're like, no, it's okay, Ali. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Just maintain control. What can we do? And I'm like, I'm freaking out. 
And even in your own life, like when you have like real issues. Oh yeah, talk about it, girl. You'll tell me those issues, but like very calm, almost scary. And I, I tell you all the time, I'm like, you're scaring, you're me. scaring me. Oh girl. Where does that come from, you think? like just My like, father's like that. Your dad's like that? My father is a very pragmatic person. He's very rational. He looks at everything almost like a math problem. Mm. One plus one equals two. Like, it's that simple. If there's a puzzle and there's a piece missing, then there's a piece to go in there. So you will find it. So you can't think in an irrational state. So if you're all worked up in your emotions... You can't think clearly. Right. Right? Do you find that? Like, I always I'm tell like, you I that. I feel very calm right now even talking yeah. to you. Like, you yeah. can't think clearly. So you I have to I think it's the idea of the unknown, right? So you got to remove that emotion, right? You have to kind of find a way and find that space where you're like, what is this problem? Yeah. What is the solution? Let me Let me take myself out of it. It's not me anymore, right? So if you can kind of like visualize, like, this is problem- and then these are the possible things that could fix that problem. Now, how do I get those things? Mm-hmm. And you start kind of working backwards on it. And that kind of settles me. It calms me because I'm like, okay, there is something. And then in the event that I find that there is no solution, well, then I just have to kind of live in those feelings for a moment, right? right? And just accept it. Like, okay, well, tomorrow's another day. We'll figure it out. Was, was there a moment in your life where you felt you could not maintain the control. Yeah. And what was that moment, if you can share? This is where you get me. Um, <laughs> I'm, so, backstory. I'm going to share this for the first time. A lot of people that know me don't know this. Um, because there was a lot of shame attached to it and embarrassment. Um and then a lot of it had to do with, like, it took me 10 years to even say anything. Um, a lot of it had to do with my heart's beating so fast right Aww. now. Um, I mean, we, please take your time and whatever you want to share, Nikki, because... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go too deep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I get it. Um, a lot of it, that loss of control, right? So what is the one thing that we have control over? our bodies, decisions. And um, when someone kind of crosses that and takes advantage of a relationship, friendship, and takes advantage of that, right, and abuses that, you kind of lose this idea of what the world is supposed to be. So I need a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's take a minute, because this is sensitive, and I, yeah, you know, and we have to be sensitive. So the only this. reason I'm sharing this is because, because I was doubting whether or not I'd share, but um, I was talking to my makeup artist, and um, she was just saying to me like how that would be so helpful for so many women, because I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna share. She's like, No, you should, because people need to hear it and they need to know it's okay, and you know. I was like, all right. And then my husband was like, just help people look at it that way. So um, here it goes. Um, I had an experience when I was 19. It was December 31st, 2006, Halloween. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I didn't have my keys. 
I needed to, I'm going to kind of not go through all the details, yeah, yeah. but um, I was raped by a friend, brutally beaten. Um, and I'm kind of skimming through that because I don't want to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly felt that moment broke me and it disrupted my reality. Mm-hmm. It disrupted this world where I felt like I was safe. I was a daddy's girl. That's not supposed to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that doesn't happen to girls like me. Or so we think, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my, and this is why I say like certain things that we learn growing up is we don't talk about certain things and and that's how we are taught to deal with emotions because that's how our parents dealt with their traumas and emotions, mm-hmm. right? And we don't understand why it's bad until you have to deal with something. So right. I never thought about my mom not talking or being, you know, not as affectionate as my father. And I never thought about that and never was upset about it or anything. It was mm-hmm. just, that's the mommy I see. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until this happened to me that I didn't, I, I couldn't tell anybody. I felt dirty and ashamed, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. That night. Uh, Not I one person? No. So crazy part is um, I, I, I had a job at a union. Mm-hmm. All I could think about was I have to get to work. I have to get to, like in that moment, I had to get to work. When I got to work, I was still like, obviously in a state of shock. And mm-hmm. um, so we had these uh, things called um, uh, representatives, like union reps. Mm-hmm. So I had to call my union rep. I was like, I need to talk to you. I have to go to the hospital. And um, so what happened, I was like, I was assaulted last night. I got to the hospital, the hospital, they did a kit and uh, they called the police officer and I told them a whole story, mm-hmm. you know, and then I couldn't press charges because it happened in New Jersey and I was in New York. Wow. And that was that. That was like, you know what? That was my attempt. I tried and I just had to kind of pack it up mm. mentally. At that moment, I didn't know the damage that I was adding. It was like insult to injury. Mm-hmm. because I wasn't prepared to deal with that. I was 19 years old. And what happened after that were the decisions that I was making were all coming from a place where I didn't have value. Mm. It was almost like I felt like broken goods. The, the attitude was, you can't do anything to me. The worst is but Like, that was... The back of my mind like instead of becoming more defensive or more guarded I almost felt like less worthy mm. and it took me years and then on top of that I married a very abusive man who kind of piggybacked off of those feelings mm-hmm. you know and made it worse and it was just years of not feeling in control all right did well, I, let me just, I'm going to rewind really quick and, and we don't have to touch on it too much, but 
during this time before you got into that relationship, were there other relationships that you were in where you may have shared this information? Oh, so and yeah, what, I did what were tell their you this part. Like? So uh, I, was, I was with someone at the time and his response was, it was crazy because I told him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, that was your fault. What? Yeah, he was like, you should have never called him. And girl, like that, it's crazy because we, and this is why I always tell you, be kind to yourself. Yes. It's so easy for us to hear the bad stuff and internalize that. Mm-hmm. I'm so stupid. I always tell you, don't say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be kind to yourself. Because that's the voice that you're telling yourself inside. And subconsciously, you're believing that. Mm-hmm. I started believing that it was my fault. I started believing that what I could have done this, I could have done that. You cannot take responsibility for someone else's viciousness and lack of control. So even for like women out there that have like gone through this, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But what I did take away from that was, where do I go from here? Now, fast forward, this is 10 years later. Mm-hmm. After 10 years of poor decisions, um, of substance abuse, all the things that I could possibly damage myself with and having toxic relationships from, I never got to the root of why. Mm. I never, I I almost like buried that. And um, But were you seeking it? Were you seeking that truth in yourself? I just never felt validated. I mm. never felt... I, I believed that I it was I did that. I did that to myself. I believe that. But there was a shift somehow, some way for you. I'm gonna be very honest with you. And um even after therapy and going to an institute and like doing all the work that you possibly can do, like I've gone to listen, groups like AA and mm-hmm. I believed in their process and system and there was a shift. Um when I met my husband, he has a very raw and real way of dealing, very no-nonsense. Mm-hmm. And at first, I kind of thought he was an asshole. I was like, you don't know. like, And he's like, you know what? I don't. And like, you know, I can't. Like, that's not something I can deal with. Right. And somewhere in there... Because, you know, I think about a lot of things. You know, me and you talk and I process things a million times. That's never changed in me. Mm -hmm. And I realized, why am I still a victim? I've never given myself time to, like, really face these things and deal with it. And I've I've never taken control. Mm. And this is where we go back to the control, right? Always being in control. I needed that back. Um, mm. Yeah, I needed that back. I needed I needed to find that girl that I was before. Like I was very proud, and you know I always wanted to excel, and 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 just I had that in me once, so it's there somewhere. And I remember one time I was sitting in an AA meeting, and. Um, I used to go into those rooms and just kind of listen. And one day I was just like, why am I here? You know, I'm a big believer of your thoughts 
Mm-hmm. You know, your you thoughts, tell me that. your thoughts, your thoughts become your reality. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting in a room with people telling their horror stories, it's like this is what I'm accepting as my reality. Like talk about it once, yeah, but I'm I'm listening to this every day, every right. day, every day, every day. And it's almost like I'm not moving forward. It's like I'm stuck in this space. Mm. So I had to make a decision to take control. And they, they tell you that, you know, you don't you have no control. You're powerless, mm-hmm. right? I didn't accept that for myself. Like, what do you mean I'm powerless? Mm-hmm. At some point, there's a moment of clarity where you decide. Mm-hmm. And I had that moment. And I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. This isn't, I don't want to live my life like this. Like, I, no, no. But that was coming after several moments where you felt unworthy. Absolutely. Where you felt like not valued within yourself. So It becomes a habit and it becomes so easy to mm-hmm. not love yourself at some point. Mm-hmm. That becomes almost second nature. Like, you say it. You, you say the shit like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. No, you're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I can't believe it. No, that's okay. You make a mistake. And I always, so everything that I tell you is the things that I've had to teach myself. I think that's the, so it's for people that are listening to this right now, right? It sounds cliche, right? To go from one traumatic experience and then say, okay, I'm going to change all of this and turn this around. I'm here to tell you guys, she's, an evolved person. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you a prime example of ways that I've witnessed witnessed this um, in our friendship. You were drinking, right? Mm-hmm. You were a heavy drinker at one point in your life. I was. And I remember, like, I had some, you know, like, my experiences with alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember calling you one time and telling you, like, Oh, I hate that I got drunk today. I can't believe like this happened yeah, to me. I remember that. And then you make all these really bad decisions, right? Yeah. And, and regret. So you wake up with guilt, regret, Shame, all of that. Shame, all of this nonsense. You're just like, why did I do that? And then you would tell me like, why don't you just stop it all together? And I'm like, oh, easier said than done. And we would go out to eat. You would purposely take me to restaurants and the the waitress would be like, oh, what do you want to drink? And I would want to order a martini or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm just going to have water with the lemon. And it's like you wanted to show me this in real like life. Like easy. this is really, it's like you, if you want to make this change, you can literally make this happen for yourself. So I had a real conversation with my husband one day and he's like, what has it given you? Mm. If you can give me a positive example, because some people can drink and maintain control. In my toxic state of self-hate and self-deprecation and just like not feeling worthy, I could not do that. I couldn't. Right. And I own that. I couldn't. So I just wouldn't do it in public at one point, right? So I would just do it at home. But then that was still not fixing me. Like I was now I'm just... Hiding something that's still stupid, right? Because right. well, I'm not doing it for the public. Like I need me for right. me. Right. And um, there came a point that I was having one glass of wine with you at dinner, mm-hmm. and you were like, "You don't want to." I'm like, "No, it's just for dinner." 
And you would tell me, like, I'm okay, I'm okay with one. And that was after I came back from Cali, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was after I came yeah, back. Yeah, I remember that day. So California was a big life-changing experience for me. You talk about that often. You always talk about, like, the difference between New York and Cali and, like, just your energy yeah. And the difference. So, I mean, you visited me there. It was different, I, you, girl. Like. Oh my gosh. She was with the sage. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Yeah, it was just still a very vibe. calm, but there's something about the West Coast that does it for yeah, you. And I'm what a Pacific is Pacific Ocean girl? It was just a different energy. Yeah. Um, you know what it was? I found my peace there. It was some it was a time that I took for myself. It was um it was, was that a, the first introduction to your peace, you think? Absolutely. It was a really? turning point. It was a pivotal point in my life. It came after a very um, dramatic blow up in my house between me and my husband. And um, it was just like, that was it. It was like, that was it. It was no more coming back. And it came, again, it goes back to that toxicity, that internal toxic, right? Like you want to break everything. So you do shit and you don't even realize subconsciously that you're destroying things that you've created because you're angry inside. Mm -hmm. So I went over there. I didn't have a plan in the world. My family was even against it. Like, you don't leave your husband. Like, I said, I need to do this for me. I got I to gotta figure this out. And I went out there and uh, one of my good friends, I stayed with her for a while. Anna, and one of my other best friends stayed with him for a while. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And then I, I figured it out and... um. Then I brought my products over there. That was great. Mm -hmm. But on the spiritual side, um, I found walks on the ocean to be really calming for me. And uh, I took it to the next level. I started seeing a hypnotherapist. You, oh my God, I'm so glad because I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So, because I speak about it on the show on like, my journey through like hypnotherapy yeah. and you were the person that yeah. introduced me and put me on yeah. to the hypnotherapist. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Cause that was a game changer <laughs> for me. Yeah. So one thing about hypnotherapy, I've done all kinds of therapy. I've done mm -hmm. uh behavioral therapy. I've done group therapy. I've done one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, I've done it in intensive therapy. So I'm very familiar with different forms of therapy. Um, so this was different for me because it wasn't your typical approach. I was addressing my subconscious thoughts. And this is why I always tell you, be kind to yourself. Because mm -hmm. that voice that you have inside is like a record player. So when something happens, it's like, you see, you see, it's never going to work out for you. It's like that little evil voice mm -hmm. of things that you've heard. Oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, it's not going to happen for you. This doesn't happen to girls like you. You're broken. Like that voice is in there. Yeah. That voice is, is telling you all these things. So what happens if you reprogram that voice? If you start repeating these things in your mind subconsciously, you are worthy and deserving. You are great. You are amazing. You are a survivor. You can do this. Mm -hmm. And you play that in your mind while you're sleeping in that in that very moment before you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And even though you may not believe it, you start believing it. The same way it took years to program you to believe that you ain't, it's going to take years to do that reprogramming. Mm -hmm. You have to be patient with yourself. So I took that very seriously. Who put you onto that? Google, girl. <laughs> oh, did it? Swear to God. Really? 
Yeah. Was it that you were just looking for help in any, any which way, way, shape, or can, form? Yeah. I needed something different. Because, listen, I'm, you know, I support the therapeutic community right. 100%. But sitting there and talking to someone and not getting any feedback or any action to the problem, it's just like, it's redundant. It's like, all right, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you my problems, but what are we actively doing here? Like, what's yeah. happening? Like, give me something. You know what I but mean? But I, I almost want to take this back to, like, even your household, right? Because in my household, let's say something happened. Um, it would happen, and then the next day it would be like, oh, quiero uh, un cafecito. And I'm like, wait, are we going to pretend like none of this just happened yesterday? So my parents, my dad is very progressive. My mom is more like, all right, it's over. That's it. It's done. Let's pack that up and put it away. But my mother was always very, um, she knew that she didn't have the tools, but uh -huh. she was going to provide the the tools for me. What so, were your issues spoken of in the household? Did you guys she get She sent me it? to therapy. And your dad? They both, they would send us to therapy. My father, though, my dad will listen. My dad's, but it's crazy because I didn't give my father the confianza or the trust to tell him things until way later. Like, I always play back the tape in my mind, like, of what happened. If I had just trusted that I could call my dad, like, mm. I'll, my story would be completely different. Now I want to add another element to the story. Your brother... Oh, I love that boy. <laughs> yeah, I love your brother. He's amazing. Like, he's really, he's yeah. good. He's an amazing he guy. He is good. Like, high-level conversation. Oh, I even my tell God. You, like, one he's of the so reasons. annoying. God, <laughs> he's so smart. <laughs> no, but I think even you, like, we talk about this all the time. And I told you, like, one of the reasons why I brought you on the show was because you, for me, what you give me is high-level conversations on a day-to-day -day. Yeah, I'm and like, I wanted to share that with the world because, and I remember even asking you, like, where did you get this extensive vocabulary from? God, yeah, here we go. Because <laughs> I always ask you that, like, where are you, like, this language that you have, right. this vernacular, like, where does that So I from? attribute that to PS234. <laughs> Shout out to PS234 on Church and Chambers, my elementary school. Um, so, yeah, so we moved from 109th Street to Tribeca when I was 10. Um, so, you know, our demographic changed. And what was um, that growing up Latina in Tribeca? So back then, Tribeca is not what it is now. It's It was very, uh, like, solitary. Mm. You know, like, we had our school, but it wasn't, like, strollers, and it wasn't like that at all. Okay. It wasn't child-friendly. Um, but I, I, it was different. I didn't know what Tribeca was when I was 10. I didn't know. I just knew that it was a new job that my dad got. And we lived in this loft. Our rooms didn't have walls. We were just in this open space. Mm -hmm. And it was weird. And um, we, you know, as kids do, you adapt. Um, it wasn't until, I want to say high school, that I appreciated my neighborhood. Mm. I was like, oh, I live in Tribeca. Okay. Yeah, like, you know? It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, a big deal. But also just to go back to what you said about like my speech and vernacular and yeah. choice of words, um, my tone, um, I attribute that to my mom. My mom's read thousands and thousands of books. One rule in my house, like we weren't allowed to say yo. 
like Ebonics was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Now we get away with it because obviously we made it through life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so now it's like you get a little pass. But we weren't allowed to use Ebonics. Like we just but weren't. that's what I'm saying. Like even I remember recently for Thanksgiving, you invited me over to your yeah. family's house and you told me, Listen, Thanksgiving is totally different over here. Like, yeah. listen to Boston. I had to Nova. Give, yeah, I had to give we you like a little politics. Yeah, it's very um, toned down. Yes. <laughs> Our family is very eclectic. Um, so, my uncle, he has a high position in politics in Pennsylvania. Um, his wife, um, she's an attorney, nonprofit mm-hmm. attorney. Um, their son, my cousin, um, he has a full scholarship to Princeton University. Um, my aunts and uncles, political activists um, throughout the 80s and college. Um, on my dad's side, all my cousins are like very successful. All scholars went to college. So, so our family is like very education. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah. they, they promote education, I want to say. Um, it's very important. Um, representation is also a big deal. Um, I think because people look at Latinos as what's portrayed in the media and um, Instagram now, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they don't really appreciate that we do value education and there is a very big group of us that are educated and do come from homes where there are very high expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the professionals that you see, they came from humble beginnings. You know, mm-hmm. they're first generation college graduates and they don't get their flowers because we're not out there. You know, now we have platforms, but I don't think that's what sells. Right. Right. It's right. not it's not glorified because it's not what sells. So but um, I think our community has a has a very, 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 very strong foundation with. Um, supporting and promoting higher education. I, yeah, and that's true because I know, like, growing up, my mom, you know, she was very big on school. Um, she only had her GED, but for her kids, absolutely, it was nothing less than a college degree. Absolutely. It was like, if you're not going to go to college, you can't stay here. Yeah. You can no longer live with me. And it's because she understood what she had to go through without it. Yeah, I mean, she would make us read every night, oh, girl, every single night, 10 pages to her. And I'm like, Ma, really? And I'll tell you this. I was obviously rebellious and I didn't do that at all. But I always say that I was lucky. Like I have supportive parents. And I say this, I go back to my trauma. And when I was able to take time off and I didn't have to work because my parents were supporting me, mm-hmm. that's a luxury that a lot of people don't have. You know, not a lot of people make it out of that right. with a clear mind. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people have that support. So I do know that I am very, very lucky to have my parents. Yeah. So this day, I always tell them like, thank you guys, because You know, if I didn't have them, I don't know where I would be. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have had the time or the luxury to go to therapy or to go and sit down for a minute and do my eat, love, pray. You know, I went to India for two months and I stayed there and I lived in Punjab and I was going to Gurdwaras and 5 a.m. for morning prayer. Like I did that, you know. How was that experience like for you? Amazing, girl. Yeah. Amazing. It was so humbling. It was beautiful. Um, 
So not everyone gets those opportunities. So I definitely feel blessed mm -hmm. um, and very fortunate and grateful to that. Um, what I love about you is, and you always tell me this all the time, like, listen, girl, when you when you can stack a little bit of money, your self-care will look a little different absolutely. and start to invest in yourself. And you always brought up like acupuncture, hypnotherapist. Oh, yes. um, That's what it's You would for. encourage me to go to spas and yes. travel and all these like experiences, right? And I was never big on therapy. That wasn't my thing. But you always kind of forced me to kind of truth seek within myself. You know what's so crazy? Like, don't get me wrong. I love a nice shoe <laughs> and course. a nice, and a and nice a bag. bag. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I'm like any other girl. Like, I love to get my face beat and all that. Yeah. But real luxury, like true luxury is in your mind and mm. your heart. To have that peace, like, and to be unattached, that I can be, I'm Nikki with or without anything. Mm -hmm. I'm the same. You know that. You've seen me. Yeah. I'm the same either way. What is your, what was your first introduction to wealth? And then what is your definition of wealth now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, My first introduction to wealth. I don't think I've had my first introduction to wealth yet. No, I don't think so. What the way wealth? that my standard of wealth, I guess it's very high because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't touched it yet. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's for me to be able to move through the world as I please mm -hmm. and not have to think about my next few generations. Mm. So that to me is wealth. I'm still building. So yeah. I haven't touched wealth yet. So working on it. I'll yeah. let you know when I get there. Yeah. <laughs> I always say like wealth to me, happiness, love is like the times that I spend with my mom. That's I can't amazing. buy that. No. You, you can't, can't put that on a rack. No, you can't. It's not for sale. No. You know? And like true wealth to me are those moments that you can't buy. Like I'm sure like you and you tell me all the time like you'll look at your daughter and you're like, I can't believe I've made this human. Oh my God, I have like a whole little human. Like you, <laughs> Bro, it's crazy. and I remember telling you, like you're a whole mom right now. I still look at her and I'm like, I did that. And How has that like shifted your perspective on life and what's important to you now, what matters? Hmm. So it's crazy, right? Because <laughs> it changes every so often. Yeah. Um. So right now in like mom mode, um, I used to love my nails. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I was like my nails were my thing. Yeah, and I can't imagine. I can't believe how comfortable I am without them. That's being a mom to me. Like nothing else really matters. Would you say like minimalistic approach on life? Like now you you're living this minimalistic lifestyle. I I don't want to say that because that would be extreme. Mm -hmm. Minimalistic is. A very extreme term compared to how I am. So, yeah, yeah not minimalistic. But yeah. I think it's just more um, my priorities obviously have shifted. Yeah. Right. Um, Aurora is a big part of my day. Um, breastfeeding is a journey. Yes. I okay. know. It is a journey. Um, you shared that with me. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. But it's so rewarding. And I always ask you, wait, hold on, because I'm always telling you, 
I'm like, so this wasn't in the book? What's the no. expense when you're expecting? You're like, no. Listen. I'm like, are you sure? And they so every don't moment you go through, I'm like, that wasn't in that book. I need to rewrite a you book. You need to like write a B side of that book. Listen, the B side is real. <laughs> Like, they don't tell you that these little humans that are cute have, like, a whole personality. Yeah. They don't prepare you for that. Yeah. Like, like it's crazy. And it's like, you have to put value into this human. Like, for sure. And really think about and do everything with purpose, right? You can't just have this little human and be like, I... Throw some food at it. <laughs> You'll be, like, be all right. <laughs> like, no, now I have Call to me like. When you're ready. <laughs> right? Like, now I have to think like, okay, so she needs a schedule. Um, I have to create a safe environment. I need to create room for her to grow and adventure out so she's a confident human being and and make her comfortable with exploring. And, like, all these things you got to, like, think about. Like, parenting is, like, so weird. It's crazy, a right? Lot. So now going back to my parents, mm -hmm. and this is why I always say give your parents grace. Because imagine being 25, because I'm 37, so I'm considered old. Oh, stop. So, girl, they call stop. you geriatric pregnancy. Did you know that? No. Yes. Do they really? Girl. That's a thing. It's a real I'm thing. Like, That's a thing. They label you. They'll be like, oh, geriatric pregnancy. What and is I'm like, like the threshold? 36. My I gave God. birth at 36. Yeah. I'm like, real. so I got to give birth yeah. now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be in that senior citizen club, girl. Oh, my God. So give your parents grace. Like, you know yeah, how we yeah. always so quick yeah. to be like, oh, but my mom ain't do this. Yo, can you? Do you know what you were doing at 25? Like, can think about me at 25 with a baby oh yeah. no girl mm -mm. i often think about that because my mom had me at 24 and i'm like damn when i was 24 i was going crazy i was traveling i was going you clubbing know, i was doing a you bunch know of things. now i'm like now i did all the fun stuff all the craziness i i lived through my trauma right so i got to heal yeah and now i'm a parent right so i'm going through this healing and now i'm able to mentally sit down with my child whereas they didn't. They were still in survival mode. They were still yeah. figuring themselves out. My parents got married two weeks after they met, girl. Like, literally two weeks. Wow. So their story is like, all right, we going to do this. We going to do this. All right, you want to you have a family? Okay, let's have a family. It was like mm. that. And they just never separated. And life has thrown them curveballs. And they just stayed consistent. I want to talk about relationships because I think this is a good segue for that. Ugh. And you and I talk about that all the time and boundaries, what to accept, what not to accept. And um, one of the things that, you know, I have always seen and, and things that you've actually told me was I'm never leaving my husband. And you've no. been such a huge support system to your husband, your family. And Thanks. recently <laughs> I came over a clip, which I actually DM'd you recently, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was Viola Davis. I love her. And she said, um, marriage doesn't start when you say I do. That's a fact. It starts when you go through like your arguments and the disagreements. The mundane and, things. Mm-hmm. Marriage, and I was just going through it again today. Marriage is not the fairy tale part, right? I always tell people like 
Yeah, it's a big wedding because you're celebrating an epic time of your life. And not everyone does that. I didn't have a big wedding. I had a dinner and we did City right. Hall. Um, but the reason you have witnesses is because you are declaring to your community that this is your person and you are going to do... Do you know anything else where you have to get witnesses except <laughs> right. like major contracts? Right. Okay, yeah. It's because it's life-changing. Right. And you're saying this is your person and you know, you're going to do this together in the world. Don't get me wrong. It is not easy by any means. And I feel like now there's so many other factors attributed to marriage. Well, let's, one, one of the things I want to bring up, um, and let's just provide some context for the audience. So your husband is Nigerian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're mm -hmm. Dominican, he's Nigerian. And now mm -hmm. you have this baby who's now mixed. Right. And She's African twice, we always say. <laughs> yeah. So let's just talk about that and just that dynamic of culturally, he, because being Nigerian, also, he has a different, a different belief system um, in, within his culture. And then right. you also grew up on these traditions and belief system within your culture. So how are you guys able to coexist? What are some of the difficulties there? And then how does this show up that now you guys have made this entire family, this baby now, and how does that work out? So you know, Obi. I do know. I OB. always call him your husband. <laughs> yes. Talk to your husband, please. Yes, I know. Hi, husband. So, yeah. <laughs> Obi is an anomaly yeah. of a person. Mm -hmm. He's very special. Um, and sometimes he could be very difficult, as I'm sure every wife can say about their husband and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing, um, I mean, I can say many good things about him, but one thing is that he allows me to be myself. He does. And he gives me grace in that whole what the expectations are of a wife. So we don't have the traditional, like you cook and clean and you do this and you do that. That's not really the dynamic in our household at all. We really have a team dynamic at home. You know, if I have the baby, you do this. And you know, if you got something to do, you know, I'll, I'll work on this. You know, what do you need from me? It's almost like we're always passing each other the ball. Right. You know, like we have that dynamic. But... Like any other team, you have your riffs. Like, you know, you're not going to always see eye to eye. Um, Obi's traditional in the sense that his expectation is to be respected as a man. So what does that mean? Um, I think for him, it's more to allow him to make decisions and not overpower him or overshadow him or undermine his decisions really. Mm -hmm. um, which I have no problem because um, I think he allows me, or allow is the wrong word. Um, I think he, he supports me in being an equal as far as like, you know, sometimes he's unsure about something and he'll pass me the ball, babe, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no like, oh, what I say goes. You know what right, I mean? It's right. not like that at all, at all. Whereas in what some people would think in a traditional Dominican household, the man has the final say-so. Mm -hmm. In my household growing up, that wasn't really the dynamic either. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually not surprised that the person that I chose to be my partner is 
like my father in that sense, mm. very diplomatic. Um, I think the approach is important. Right. Um, I don't approach my husband in a uh, in a in a way that is, um, I guess, uh, I try not to uh, antagonize or mm-hmm. I, I don't approach him in a controversial way. Right. That would be the the best right. word. Um, I'm very mindful um, of not, because there's, I've always told you, you could say whatever you want to someone. You have to be mindful of how you say it Mm -hmm. in order for it to be effective. And that takes into account the person's background, their upbringing, Mm -hmm. their dynamic, their environment. Like all of these things play into how someone receives something. Mm -hmm. And, um, Part of being married, I think I've taken um, a lesson from my parents is I've studied my partner. I understand what will trigger him. I understand his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I try not to highlight on his weaknesses. Rather, I support him in that area. And then, you know, sometimes you got to check somebody. Everybody does. Sometimes I need a little checking, you know. And you've done it to me, too, Mm -hmm. as a friend. Yeah, and just receive, and likewise, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. and you have to receive that because you know you don't just you can't just be batting at a hundred and not play catcher sometimes. What I find interesting as well is that, so you have this partnership in marriage with Obi, but then you guys also do business together. Mm-hmm. So talk, <laughs> talk a little bit about that because not most couples can operate in that space, right? Because just even having a partnership in business is hard. So when yeah. you actually do business with your partner and then have to go home. And so we work from home. Partner. So that yeah. makes it even harder. Um, I think we trust each other and respect each other. Um, I think one thing that a lot of people probably wouldn't expect is that even though Obi's Nigerian and, you know, he's very stubborn, but he respects my opinions and yes. he'll take the time and actually treat me as a partner. And it's sad that as women that we kind of don't expect that in our relationships, right? But um, he's very he's, he's very much of a forward thinker in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's able to separate me from being his wife. Um, there's a plus to it because, you know, I am his wife, so I am him and he is me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we move like that. Mm-hmm. And Trust me, there are times that you know, Ali, I call you all the time and I'm like, girl, kill him. In that but same then, calm voice. <laughs> but then there are times, I remember in our, our last conversation, um, you said something to me that really hit me. You said, let this be a teachable moment, Ali. Because you went through, and you went through what I, if it was me and I was going through it, I probably would have moved out. and isolated myself um and you remain calm and I think it's very important to highlight that you remain calm your composure was just a (laughs) one like the entire way through and you just told me like let this be a teachable moment you have to remain calm, let it play out. Because for me, I freak out with everything. I never I let do. anything play out. And you're always telling me, let things play out. And I feel like in your relationship, in business, you've always let things play out while still maintaining that control. Look at it this way. 
like, why waste excitement if you don't even know what the outcome is yet? Girl. It's like, like why I am I going to the future ahead of time? But then like, what if you're getting anxious and it turns out great? So why not get happy for the future? Right. You know, like, right. why do we always go for the negative? I'll it's, give you again, an example. that thing of the unknown. You just don't know. But if you trust, if you trust, you'll have peace. Think about it like this, Nikki. Do you remember when we all went on lockdown? Yeah. And it was that was the unknown, right? Like COVID-19, we didn't know what was going on. We couldn't make sense of it. Like, what were your initial thoughts? And how did you even... Girl, I, I was, was freaking out. I was thinking about when I was in DR and the lights went out and my grandma <laughs> would be like, five o'clock, get in the house. And I was like, oh, this is like Santo Domingo. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I mean, everything is a mindset, Ali. That's how we survive. Honestly, everything happens in our brain. Like, right. literally, everything happens in our brain. Like, if you, in your mind, create this situation where, no, this is going to be horrible. This is, I'm, I'm not, I can't handle it. What if you changed that? Like, what if you Correct. took a minute and was like, I'm not even going to think about this. I'm just going to walk in and see what happens. And then whatever comes, I'll react. Is that how you approach business as well? Uh, yes, for the most part. Yeah? I'll have a plan, obviously. Everyone, you know, financially, you have to plan. Um, but outcomes, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for a failure and for a success. I don't get excited either way. Mm. Because in excitement, when you have a success, you kind of lose footing and you forget to keep working. Because you're but like even living having in success. those goals, like even with like the whole brand Nikki Mar and having like goals that you would set for yourself, like I want to see my brand do this, I want to hit these numbers, I want to bring in this type of revenue. And what if it doesn't happen? Like, how do you then? I give myself grace, Ali. Yeah, I just have to, because what am I going to get out of being frustrated? Right. Again, self talk. I tried my best. I know I did. And just move forward. Like. I, I got to be good to myself first. And this yeah. goes back to maintaining control. You know, I don't give too many things a reaction. Yeah. Because like, who wants to deal with someone that's out of control? Nobody. Girl, nobody. And you've seen me go through stuff. I've gone through some stuff. Boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Girl. From assistance to like all this craziness. Everything. Yeah. And like, I don't even know how. <laughs> I remember you were, you were like literally in labor, literally in labor in LA mm -hmm. and still walking me through my own issues. And I'm like, I remember you're that. about to have a baby. I like, remember that. And I was like, Ali, just. I'm like, how are you chill. talking to me right now and not telling me to shut up? <laughs> I don't know how I don't you know. do it. I, um, I recently, so. My cousin uh, mm -hmm. was visiting Aurora. Mm -hmm. She was here over the weekend. And oh, we yeah. were just, we always talk about like being um, mindful mm -hmm. of our behaviors and our intentions. And even before you speak to someone, just being mindful of the words you use and right. in your approach. And um, we were talking about being meta aware. Meta aware? Yeah, that's like a thing. What is that? So, meta aware. Yeah, you can Google it, but being meta aware, I guess the way that she was using it is when you can actually, I guess, visualize, see your behaviors and how they'll affect someone mm. and knowing that this is what you want to do, but not doing it. 
it's it's mm. like being aware of your behaviors and actions and other people. It's it's like on another level. But then she was telling me that I was meta aware. I was like, oh, okay, that's a new one. But um, the idea, I guess, is to just so well. Um, I'll go back to what we were talking about. So she was telling me that a lot of my beliefs and kind of things that I was saying were aligned with Buddhism. Oh, for sure. So yeah, so like eliminate the ego, right? Like because yeah. we make a lot of decisions based on ego and like, oh, you gonna respect me? And it's like, what does that really mean? Yeah, you know, like all that. What's all I think it's about? like projection, right? When yeah. you project your fears onto other people, because I have that in me as well. Like respect is a big thing for me. So if I even get a little inkling, I know, that I know, you're we had that respecting yeah. me. I'm like, but then like, oh no. but my, but then look, and so I'm like, where does that come from? Like, I don't even know. Yo, it's crazy. Like subconsciously from our childhood, everything starts there. Everything is in your childhood. It's crazy. Um, and you got to, re- a lot of people are comfortable in dysfunction. A lot of people don't realize it, but it's like, if something dramatic isn't happening, they got to like disrupt it because it's like, nah, something's going on. Yeah. Nah, you trying to get me. Like, no, sir. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Not none of that. Some people yeah. don't even want positivity around, or they don't know how to because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, they don't know how to receive that because it's weird. That, it's that'll be like, weird, right? We live in New York, right? So if you're, I mean, I take the MTA. So if you're on the train and someone looks at you, or even in school, I know back to back in the day when I went to school, and someone would look at me. It'll you got an like, eye problem. What, what, what you looking at? And you I'm got like, an eye problem. That was the famous one, right? Like, what just happened here? Right, but we won't ever think like, oh, my outfit is fly. Right. Nah, we won't think like that. We won't. we won't think like, oh, it's a problem. Why? Why are we wired like that? And it's like from, or like even sometimes in New York, like people walk around like they're angry all the time. And it's like, how are you angry at eight o'clock in the morning? Like what is going on in your life? So I'm going to challenge you. If you take every negative thought and turned it into a positive, how much easier would life be? It's harder to turn negative thoughts into positive thoughts because it requires more work. So that's being meta aware. I'm having this thought right now. Mm -hmm. It's not a real thought. Like it's not realistic rather, right? This person doesn't know me, so why would they have a problem with me? That's not even real. I'm going to tell you when that happened for me, believe it or not. Um, During the pandemic, or like kind of when we were just coming out of it, um, I had to get my wisdom tooth removed. And I was like, just to date me, because I don't even want to go through the pain of like, or even see it, because it's like when you see it when it becomes real. So... I'm, um, what do you call it? Under sedation, in sedation, under sedation. Yeah, whatever. I'm sedated. (laughs) You're sedated. sedated. You're under. (laughs) I'm under. And when you get your wisdom tooth removed and you're sedated, you can still hear everything that's happening around you. Yeah. You just can't feel it. Your eyes are closed, but you can hear it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was actually like a cool little moment where I saw like paintings of something on the wall, just like all these bright colors. And I can feel the tugging of them like removing it, but it wasn't pain, it was just tugging. But in my mind, because I felt the tugging, to me, I felt pain. 
So I remember yelling like, ah, ah. And the nurse said, Alexandra, you're fine. You're okay. You're fine. And for some reason, when she said that, I calmed down. And I said, I'm fine. And then I remember when I actually woke up, I said, what if I just told myself that? Mm-hmm. Every single time I went through something like Alexandra. That goes back to the hypnosis. Fine. Yeah, you're fine. You're so you okay. can actually do this yourself at home. Like you could tell your listeners, if you take your your voice and you record yourself, mm-hmm. giving yourself positive affirmations is probably more effective because it's the voice that you truly hear in your head. And give yourself positive affirmations and play that to yourself every night. You'll replace that voice that gives you anxiety. Yeah. So I think that's that's pretty dope. Like the mind is a it's crazy. crazy right? It's a crazy place and you could get lost in it. That's why people, you know, sometimes don't recover from situations. Yeah. Because they're unable to get that control, right? Yeah. But somehow you found like the other side. Like you got introduced to the other side of I the really world. did. Um, so I didn't finish telling you when I was in L.A., mm-hmm. I bumped into my rapist. I did. What? And I called. So at the time I was uh, doing Reiki therapy. Mm-hmm. Called my Reiki therapist. I was like, why is this happening? And that's, you know, she gave me a whole ep- explanation on how to look at him in empathy. And I'm going to tell you why that helped me. I don't think I could me. ever do that. I did. She said, be empathetic because it's for you. If you change your feeling from anger and feel sorry for him, it'll help you heal. It's crazy. Wait, what? I just need to ask. When she said this, what was it? It didn't thought? make sense to me, okay. but I really had to change my heart. And it softened my heart. It did. I had to feel sorry for the fact that you don't know any other way. The fact that this is how you go through life. I felt sorry for him. And it's crazy that slowly my heart softened without me even noticing it. And I was eventually vindicated because he was arrested in 2021 in Las Vegas for the same exact thing. Yeah. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah, that's insane. And I had that moment when I saw that, I was like, wow. And so all the ducks, like all the dust settled Mm. for me. And like I had these amazing experiences and I was able to finally like let that version of me go. Mm. Like I put that version of me to rest and it was like, and then all these amazing things started happening. It's crazy. And who are you now? Like, who is Nikki now? Nikki's a mom. (laughs) Like, Nikki went from Nikki Nights to, you know. Nikki Nights. Nikki Nights was a thing, girl. And um, I went from Nikki Nights to then I became Nikki the wife. And now I'm Nikki the mom. And it feels so good. Yeah. I have this little human and I have all these amazing things I want to teach her. And protect her from. But she's so cool. Do you see um, characteristics in your daughter that are similar to like you now? Yeah, girl. It's crazy. Uh, She is persistent Mm. already. 
She is nine months yesterday. And Aurora is, she doesn't want to do anything else but learn to walk. Like, she is holding onto walls, climbing. She is going to, she's going to figure out a way to walk so that she could chase me around the house. Oh, my God. She's so smart. <laughs> she's so smart. And she's always challenging you, which is, like, so bizarre. And she's very um, intuitive. She loves to hear me talk. So every time you and I have conversations, she literally like stares at me like, what are you saying? Yeah. And I, I always find it like just amazing that you allow her to watch you work. And you even bring her to work with you sometimes. Yeah, of course. You got to learn. <laughs> you got to work in this world. That's yeah. one thing you do in this world is work. Yeah. Work, breathe, die. Those are the, oh, and taxes. Don't Ooh, forget taxes. taxes. That's the thing. Those are the things for sure you're gonna do. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I I was blessed enough to have my daughter at the perfect time in my life. Do you think she saved you? No, I was saved before. I saved myself. I'm gonna give myself that. I saved myself. I again awareness. Mm -hmm. I was very mindful. I knew that I didn't want to have a daughter. Um, and unpack on my daughter. Right. I never wanted that. Never. I was always very mindful about that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I could give my child the best version of myself. And I accomplished that. One of the things that you and I, amongst all the things that we discuss, um, is just how are you raising her to understand the culture? And what I mean by that is, you have a hair care brand, right? And hair plays a major role in our it community. Um, and you also have a salon as well. So even that, and I, I always tell you, like growing up, I wasn't allowed to wear my hair curly. I think none of us were. But no. your daughter has amazing curls. I love curly her curls. Yo, she has really dope mm -hmm. curls. So this is something that I've kind of like played over in my mind. And I mean... It's 2023. I I want to give her the confidence and knowledge about who she is mm -hmm. and let her make decisions later on. But for her childhood, Aurora is a Nigerian-Dominican girl. She is black. She's beautiful. She has curly hair. And that's who she is. When I was growing up, I knew my Dominican national anthem. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect anything less from her. She has to know who she is. Because without that, she'll be lost in this world. I need my daughter. She has books in Spanish. You know, I read to her in Spanish. Food and culture in our culture is very important. Food, our language. A lot of kids nowadays, you know, parents unfortunately don't have the luxury to sit there and talk to their kids. So the TV is easier. Yeah. You know, or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, because it's it's whatever keeps them quiet, right? Right, because we got to get stuff done. Like it's not easy, especially those first very important years. Like mm -hmm. those first very important influential years are like the times when we're doing the most, right? right. Like look, look at what happened. Um, L Magazine Editor's Choice. Now I'm expected to go and rush off to like work and 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 market and do all these things. But my daughter is nine months old. Like, she needs me the most right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like balance. And 
that's kind of the point. I guess that's my new challenge in this phase of my life is balancing. Because it was easy when it was just me and Obi. It was right. like, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. It was yeah. like, all right, what are we doing tonight? You know, and now you got to Now it's like, all right, I got to feed Aurora at 6.30 so I could put her down by 7.30 so then I could start working on the projects. But I love that, though, because it gives you structure. Like yeah. For someone like me, I feel like I would love something like that because it provides structure in my life. And I work off of like routine and schedule. Right. Anything that's off my routine and schedule. Tell you right now, you think you have a schedule with a newborn? Nah. Not so really. Much. Mm -mm. Things happen all the time. You got a cold. You're not feeling good. They're teething. You're kind of like at their, <laughs> you kind of like have to be at their beck and call. Yeah. Um. But as far as like, you know, trying to run the businesses um, with OB, kind of going back to that partnership, mm -hmm. um, I think we do well. I mean, it gets hard, but I think we do well with managing the brands. You know, OB yeah. has Shop Up Scene, mm -hmm. um, a clothing line. We actually brought you yeah. a hoodie. It's <laughs> cold outside, so I got you a little something. <laughs> what? This is from Shop Up Scene. Ah, so, let me see. Yeah, OB yes. sent you that. So these just came in. These are the new hoodies. Really? Yeah. Ooh, shout out to Obi and Shop Obscene. This is not, ooh, what did I just, ooh, guys. I know you love a good hoodie. Yes, I do. So you see the arm like this we This is Yeah, dope. right? I know. This is oh. really fire. We thought so. I love, yeah, <laughs> this is really nice. I hope thank you like you it. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Aw, thank you. Shout out to Obi. Thank you, Obi. Thanks, Nikki. Of course. Nikki. He's also working on an artist, Adam Banks. They're yes. working on getting him a deal. Um, so we have all these things that we're trying to do, but I think um, home is really a priority right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's it's really hard. It's like a juggle, girl. It's like, okay, what needs attention right now? Yeah. And just trying to do that, but we'll figure it out. I love that you guys are supportive of one another's dream. Like he never, even down to this interview, right? Like I told you like, come on the show. Oh, God, and you were so like, ah, oh, I don't know. And Obi was like, no, you should, you should go on her show. Like you should actually. I know because then it was like, you're not going to support your friend. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you say that? Like, don't make it about that. Right. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. It's not fair. So he made it about that. <laughs> but I love that he kind of pushes you to what I feel like you Discomfort. already know. No, it's more like the you have that potential in you. Like you already are amazing. You already Ali, these know are the how things tell I tell story. you. You are amazing. Yeah, but it's easier to tell someone else that and no, not. No, I know, know I'm amazing. I tell myself I have that pep talk in the morning. Yeah. I tell myself every morning, listen, I have like two minutes that I give myself in the morning. And I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're amazing. You got this. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things I keep saying, one of the things, no, but because I think in our friendship, there's so many things that we talk about. Confidence is a huge part and in, in a topic that we always discuss. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I've always felt that I lacked confidence. Um, and I would always feel like, oh, I need this person. I need that person. Whether it was a, a man or a girl, I always tell you, whoever you got this. 
And you would always say, to this day, you're like, Ali, you need no one you but yourself. You don't need nobody but yourself. You are an amazing individual. You've accomplished so much. And like when we rap, you can cut this part out and play it to yourself yeah. if you need to. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like While I'm going into REM. Yeah. like No, you know, but I want to talk about that because I think it's important to surround yourself with like-minded individuals, people that you can discuss money, success, business, career, like all just all these different things. Um, for me, you have been that friend for me, right? Oh, thank you. Because I feel like you, and not to play any of my other friends, because my friends are amazing, but you, our friendship, the topic has always been level up. And so we support each other in a way where it's like, Let's level up. Let's figure out how we're going to level up. We're not going to talk about other people. Very rarely do we talk about what the next person's doing or what. Unless it's like. And even when I do yeah. tell you, like, I'll call you like, oh, my God, can you believe this person? And you're like, Ali, I think that's okay. I think let's focus on whatever you're doing. Yeah. And really let's figure can. that out. And I appreciate that because. They always say you have to be responsible of the energy that you bring into a room. And the energy that you have brought into my life has always been like that leveling up energy. Aww, thanks. No, seriously. And I, I, I always wonder like where that comes from, that strength, that confidence, that I want more attitude. And don't give up on yourself. <sighs> and even in like the hardest times, and I think that's important for people to hear within this moment because you, I mean, you just share a traumatic experience that you actually, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. I don't think you've ever shared this. I'm like, I'm thinking back, like, no, I don't think she's ever, I wasn't even expecting not, not that. Not to that um, extent. And um, because I want you to understand that there's nothing in this. And I always told you, you're made from the same elements that stars are made from. That's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you are amazing. We all are. We are all individual pieces of amazing. So why not push myself? Why push myself down and not up? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Why? Because down is easy but I don't get anything from that. I don't enjoy that. Right. So why not push myself towards something I can enjoy? Because it's hard when gravity starts taking over. But when you're down there, right, how hard is it to be down there? It's miserable. Yeah, it's miserable. It's miserable. And nobody ever thinks about that. Let me tell you something. Um, when I was going through like my battles with being um, toxic and going to like substances and stuff, there came a point where I really just, I couldn't do it anymore. I would remind myself how bad it would make me feel. And I kept that feeling very, very present and very much on the surface. Mm -hmm. And that helped me get to the next level. So I say that to say this. Even though it's hard to push yourself up, it's worth it. Like, mm -hmm. you just constantly have to tell yourself, I'm worth it. Why not? Why not? Like, why not? Mm -hmm. Like, I have one life to live. Let me get the best out of it. Let me make the most out of it. And nowadays, everyone, like, is consumed with social media and looking at other people's successes. I feel like that's kind of given people a false sense of self, like, 
you're able to take some pictures and look good. So it's a cheat, right? Mm-hmm. So now I can just take this picture and look like I'm doing good. I don't really have to do good. Mm-hmm. But what do you get out of that? Right. Where is that? What What are you doing for yourself? Like, what are you getting for yourself? You're not really experiencing it. You're mm-hmm. just doing it for other people. Very true. You know, like do it for yourself. What is one thing if you have like just a last gem for our audience? What's one thing you would want to leave them? There is so many. Um, I think for the most part is something that I always tell you. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself, whatever that means to you. And don't allow your ego to make decisions for you. Mm Mm-hmm. That piece of humble pie tastes real good sometimes. It can get you a lot further than an ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that has brought me peace. I don't mind being the first to apologize. I really don't. Because for me, it's like, what's what what's the worst that could happen, right? Yeah. Things go great. The worst that could happen is they reject it, but I tried. But I guess um, don't be comfortable in dysfunction. You know, try to reach for that higher self. And then all the other things, all the tangible things fall into place. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. That was beautiful. <laughs> you ready for my rapid fire? Oh, my God. My G-U-L rapid fire? Go ahead. All right. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Achata Saturday morning, girl. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yes. Achata Anthony Santos, Saturday morning. Ooh, any particular <laughs> song that you love? Oh, God, no. Anything on the playlist. Okay. It's going. Um, what does it mean to you to be Latina? Strength. It's the first word that comes to my mind. I'm strong. Mm. Do you feel like you have to be strong? Like, Latinas always have to be strong? That's like a whole nother segment. <laughs> part two. That's a part two. But yes. Okay. I do, for so many reasons. Okay. We're going to bring her back, guys. Oh, God. <laughs> um, what is this chapter of your life called? I thought you asked me that, but I'm going to um, balance. I knew you was going to say that because I think I did ask you that you before. Okay. Um, <laughs> and finish this sentence. Growing up Latina is... I was going to do something real crazy. What? <laughs> the flyest shit ever. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> Nikki, Nicole, Allie V, thank you for coming. I know this was completely out of your comfort zone. Mm. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, You guys, make sure you follow her. uh, Share your Instagram handles with everyone. Oh, God. Uh, Shop Nikki Mar. um, And please follow my salon, Nikki Mar Salon. Um, We're in West New York. My stylists there are great. I love all my girls. Um and what's the other one? Shop up scene, guys, coming soon. Yes. And um, yeah. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Ali. Yes. Ooh, you did it.